Welcome to episode 206 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we preview State of Origin Game 3. We discuss the six again rule and the COVIDiots of St. George Illawarra and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Right, welcome to episode 206 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I am your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing this week, second week of lockdown in Sydney? Well, Dr. T, I can't wait for uh, Gladys to announce uh, what's going to happen, because I think we're all... I think uh, <laughs> we still don't know if Friday is the end of lockdown, but... Um, I do. I, I am. I have a tough decision to make. I'm trying to think: risotto or paella. Um, you know, just uh, based on uh, everything that's happening in the in the Euro. Uh, you know, I just uh, can't decide between which rice dish I like the best. Uh, but you know what? I I, I think I, th- I think the risotto is the is the king of uh, of of rice. Uh, I don't know, like gourmet rice dishes. So, uh, so may- maybe I'm a, on the risotto camp. How about yourself, there, uh, Doctor T? Yeah, look, I'm 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 partial to the mushroom uh, based risotto, uh, but that could be because uh, I'm a fun guy. Get it? Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. All right, that's my pun for the day. I will promise you there will be no more puns. But look, Tish, there is a lot a lot to discuss today. We've got a lot to get through. Uh, you know, three kind of massive topics to discuss. We've got the COVIDiots of St. George Illawarra. Mm. We've got the State of Origin Game 3. And we've got a bit of a discussion about about all the blowouts. And hopefully you'll let me go on a little bit of a rant there. And uh, let's see if we can get to a solution about what we're going to do about this six again rule. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot to get to. So let's just launch into it. So here is uh, our six tackles. And tackle number one, the news update. Here we go. Right. Look, the, really, there's one major news item <laughs> that's dominating uh, the NRL at the moment, and it's not—it's not a good one. It's a really unfortunate one for, um, you know, we're calling them the COVIDiots of St George Illawarra, the St George Illawarra players. Quite a few of them that were fined, uh, I think, a grand total of three hundred five thousand dollars after breaching COVID-19 orders. So those of you who don't know, the background is in Sydney, Australia, we have a lockdown at the moment. Um, and it's, look, it's a, I guess you could call it a soft lockdown in the sense that people are travelling around for work purposes, but really it's only for essential services. So if you have yep. to work, if you uh, need to get, you know, uh, 
your your essential supplies from the grocery store, etc. Um, you know, compared to last year's lockdown that we went through for several weeks, uh, where you know it was tough. It was during the school uh, school year, and people were parenting at the same time as they were trying to work from home for the first time ever remotely. Um, it was a tough situation. I think what I'm sensing is that this time around that uh, I think some people are a bit complacent in in terms of uh, compliance with the the law. Um, and it is a law. There was a law that was put in place. And look, the story goes that Paul Vaughan of the St. George Illawarra Dragons uh, basically hosted a barbecue with uh, at his place with 12 of his teammates. So basically he's in, almost his entire first grade squad Um you know, at his place. And uh, look, yeah, look, basically defying the public health order. Um, And unfortunately, there was, uh, look, there's some consequences out of that. Uh, Tish, do you want to, do you want to sort of roll through some of, well, what's the, what's the latest update? In fact, there's, there is a, a, you know, at hand and latest update that just recently um, came up regarding Paul Vaughan. So what? how has St. George Illawarra reacted to this? Okay, all right. Well, look, um, the NRL uh, has had to fine St. George Illawarra players a total of $305,000. So, um, and there are actually, uh, you know, 13 uh, St. George Illawarra players at this uh, party. That's a complete lineup, right? It's a complete That's party. right, yeah. 13, you know. Um and, and Bench didn't get a, a, a an invitation. Yeah. The reserves didn't get an invitation, and nor yeah, did the, the coach. Yeah, uh, well, neither did uh, the Origin players, which has kind of made things, uh, you know, Tariq Sims and and Ben Hunt were not there and so forth. But yeah, Paul Vaughan invited everybody over. Now, um, the it is actually uh, the house is actually in Wollongong, but Wollongong has got the same restrictions as. Sydney at the moment, so there's no excuse there. Uh, I believe that there's only four reasons why you can actually leave your house, um, you know, for work or, you know, for providing medical aid and, um, you know, for essential shopping and, and like, you know, and I think, you know, exercise or something like that. So so really there isn't um, there isn't a whole lot. So to have 13, and you can only have a maximum of like five, five people to your house, like five... Um, you know, things. Yeah, so they completely destroyed it. Like, they well, I don't think you can have any people in your house for for non-essential reasons. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's the the, the point that yeah, they they kind of breached knowingly breached yeah. the public health orders. Yeah, yeah, public health orders by the New South Wales government, but they also breached the uh, NRL um, bubble, uh, you know, bubble restrictions that the NRL has to allow these players to continue playing. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a you know, so they have to have a strict protocol. So essentially there are 12 players um, that have all been um, fined by the NRL um, and they've also been fined by the New South Wales government $1,000 each. Um, And as a result, all um, of these 12 players have been suspended for one game each. Um, And we'll go more into detail as to how that's going to work because, um, you know, the NRL still needs to have St. George Illawarra play in the the uh, season. So there's, so there's actually uh, a couple of different ways that they'll be able to use uh, those players, uh, you know, and those suspensions. Now, Paul Vaughan, because um, you got to remember, he's a repeat offender. He was the person who instigated this party. Um, he he uh, has got a fifty thousand dollars fine and an eight week suspension, uh, an eight week ban. But 
Um, you know, the board of the St. George Illawarra Dragons have met today, apparently, and in breaking news, uh, Paul Vaughan, um, his contract has, uh, he only, it was his final year of his contract. It's actually been ripped up. I think it was an $800,000 contract, so a massive contract that he was on. But he wow. uh, he has been fired from the St. George Illawarra Dragons effective immediately. So there you go. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so big consequences. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy to think that uh, after all, after what's happened with some of the Bulldogs players, some of the, so, you know, some of it that's happened with some, with uh, Josh Dugan and so forth, to have, you know, Starting, yeah, to have thirteen players uh, breach the protocol in one event—that's uh, it's absolutely outrageous, Doctor Z. I, I, I don't know, I don't know what you could say about it apart from that's completely silly. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I did, I did sort of see somewhere that um, that uh, I, I don't know where this quote is from, but I'm sure someone out there can Google and find out. But that there was a comment made that look, um, this is not atypical of uh, of Paul Warren's behavior and not a very intelligent kind of thing to do and the comment that was made was you know considering he's played for australia and new south wales there's a reason why he's not uh not one of the leadership group at the club given that he probably should be given his his uh significant experience at the highest level so Mm. that probably says something about about the esteem that he was held in uh, in terms of uh, the leadership group of the of the team, so you know it's it's a bit disappointing. And look, the the rumor is that when the cops uh, turned up at Paul Vaughan's premises, they immediately uh, they were told to look for someone with an Italian background, which Paul Vaughan obviously has played freely. And they immediately looked at the gentleman who was rolling around on the floor, clutching at his ankles, screaming wow. for a penalty. So wow. you know, there you go. So there's our man. There's our man. He's he's, he's Italian. Um, and a- and apparently when the cops asked, hey, what's the matter with you, Vaughn? He said, ah, shut up, your face. <laughs> oh, I thought we stopped the puns from <laughs> at the beginning. But anyway, look, um, very, look, we're making light of it, but this is, uh, this is a tragedy for Dragons fans because this effectively means that your team has been gutted for well, at least one game. Uh, and you know, one of your best players, one of your best forwards of the the entire year, is basically uh, he's been sacked and he's not going to return. And you know, what effect is this going to have on the team? What effect is this going to have on you know the first time we have, and hopefully the lockdown will end soon. The first time we have fans back at a home game for the Dragons, how are they going to react to their team? Because I think you know, online it, there is almost universal. Um, condemnation from dragons fans in particular about and disappointment about about the club and as you said that not everyone should be implicated because some of the the origin players weren't there but you know pretty much the rest of them were there and and to think that not one of them would have said uh you know vaughny we probably shouldn't be doing this it's a lockdown we should be we're in breach we've got to be careful um the the insult to injury bit is the uh, is the fact that it's not just that they were breaching the government's public health orders. It's also that you know the very thing that has kept the NRL going is this trust that they are following that that they yeah. are held to a higher standard than the rest of the public, and and that's why they were allowed to sort of travel in the bubble and all that sort of stuff. This yeah. has kind of completely decimated that that trust, that public trust, and so. 
I wonder what's going to happen when when the fans get to see this team for the first time, yeah, uh, up up close, and how they're going to react. Because I don't think it'll be a very good reaction. So I'm gutted for Dragons fans, and I know yep. a few, um, and they would be absolutely filthy at their their players, uh, you know. And and certainly it explains uh, how they've been performing this year as well. And they haven't really been taking things that seriously. They haven't been that consistent. Mm. Um, and it's a it's an absolute shame. But I'll, I'll let you have the final word on this before we move on. Well, look, we'll, we'll um, talk about it a bit more in a, in a later tackle. Um, so I want to leave some more comments to all them. But, yeah, but I think, um, yeah, um, as you talked about consequences with, um, you know, how the NRL is looked upon with other uh, with uh, with other states, it's already had an impact actually on the New South Wales team, um, and it's actually part of uh, Dave Trotten's come out and said one of the reasons why they've had to move to Queenscliff is based upon what the Dragons had done. So I'll I'll go we'll go more into that mm. in other tackles about um you know what the consequences of what the Dragons have done, uh, what the ramifications look like because because. There are some changes, and it and it's jeopardised the state of origin. Uh, interestingly enough, so yeah, absolutely. And I'm gonna I'm gonna segue into a state of origin news item next, which is about Ronaldo uh, Mulitalo being ineligible to represent uh, Queensland. So finally, we've got the ruling. So Tish, take it away. What's the situation? Well, it has been confirmed um, that Queensland hopeful Ronaldo. Mulatalo is ineligible to represent um, the Maroons in State of Origin Arena. Uh, look, we all remember just last week there was a huge issue with him, um, you know, being picked for Origin, but um, you know, and Queensland selected him. But um, look, according to the Origin eligibility criteria, it's clear that you know the player was born outside of Queensland or New South Wales, and um, you know he did not reside in uh, Queensland before his thirteenth birthday, which. And, you know, which the Queensland government, which the Queensland Rugby League, have finally done their research and, um, and, and yeah, could not find any evidence to suggest that he was in Australia before the age of thirteen. So look, um, unfortunately, Ronaldo, he wants to play for Queensland. A lot of people saying that they should let him, but I think rules are rules in this case. And uh, look, at, at the end of the day, you know, it's the responsibility of Queensland Rugby League and it's the responsibility of New South Wales Rugby League that any player that they pick. Um, that the proper paperwork is there to ensure that this player is eligible or ineligible. And, um, you know, we are in 2021. You know, there are backgrounds checks for all sorts of uh, things, you know, police records or whatever. And I think the NRL, uh, Queensland Rugby League, New South Wales Rugby League, you know, they, they kind of all look a bit silly by having uh, this situation where you, you know, 24 hours before the pl- uh, the the game is on the line. You're still trying to check the credentials of a player. It's completely uh, crazy, actually. But look, um, yeah, but but I think the QRL have probably have a lot to answer for just by actually picking Ronaldo in the first place without even doing the proper pay, uh, proper background check. Absolutely. And, you know, like, thanks for clarifying that because I thought the, the reason why he was ineligible was uh, he he did the QR code at the Queensland border, checked in, but forgot to check out from New Zealand. I thought that was the reason, but no, <laughs> no. no, you are you are right. They just forgot to, <laughs> they just didn't do their uh, their paperwork properly. And and look, the rules are the rules, and and look, we can argue another day yeah. about whether the rules need to be changed and what that means. And and this could be a, a this could be one of those cases where uh, maybe rules will be changed so that in future, you know, 
players that come into this country uh, from New Zealand or, or, or other other countries that, you know, at what point do you provide a pathway for them to represent the state? And uh, especially if they want to reside in Australia and represent Australia yeah. and not and not play for another country, uh, mm. you know, that's that's really, you know, the pathway is not there at the moment. And maybe this uh, Ronaldo Mulitalo case will actually inspire a bit of change. So let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, all right. Next item is Greg Inglis. Uh, so, Tish, take it away. Greg Inglis, what's happening? Well, yes, the triumphal return to Greg Inglis coming back to rugby league, playing in the English Super League, has unfortunately ended because Greg Inglis has now retired but uh, for the Warrington Wolves, but will actually still remain at Warrington as an off-field captain. Um, so, Warrington have released Greg Inglis from his playing contract uh, with immediate effect but he will remain at the club in an off-field role uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, the 34-year-old former Australian international came out of retirement ahead of this season to sign a one-year contract with the Wolves in Super League. Um, and he scored two tries in three games for Warrington, but he has suffered a hamstring in- injury um, you know, against Huddersfield in round seven, and uh, that's turned out to be worse than what everybody expected. And um, I'm sure Greg Inglis is shattered. Because once again, he has to retire from rugby league. So uh, let's hope he can get that ankle sorted out. And uh, I don't know, Dr. T, do you think this is the end of Greg Inglis forever? Or do you think he might be the John Farnham of rugby league and uh, come out of (laughs) retirement every few years? What do you think? Look, you never know. I mean, you never know. And look, I'm interested in the the comment about his... What he's he's having he's got an off-field role, but did you say off-field captaincy role or you know what? Oh, off-field it, capacity, capacity. Oh, yeah. Off-field capacity. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I was going to say. I wonder what that means. I mean, uh, but look, potentially this could be. Look, he's he's got a very big role to play. I think in the future of rugby league, especially in Australia. So mm. I think the sooner he can get back to Australia and and. Uh, really get more involved in like the indigenous community and 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 how rugby league can help affect change in that community. I think that's yeah. I think that's where he will most have the most impact. And I think uh, you know, especially look this week talking about that. You know, it's NADOC week this week in Australia uh, where we kind of celebrate and think about the Aboriginal and Indigenous contribution to this country. And so this is kind of a, a very timely. Uh, timely news item because it sort of rem- reminds us that um, you know we've got a really great Aboriginal leader out there, but he's in the other <laughs> another part of the world, and yeah. uh, and and uh, it would be good to bring him back and and have him have a really big impact in the NRL. So absolutely, um, yeah, it's a shame, as you said, it's a shame that he got he had to get injured, and that's the way he goes out uh, and, and retires the second time around, but. At least he sort of showed, you know, two tries in three games in rugby league is not nothing to be sneezed at, especially when you, you're kind of at the end of your career anyway. So, um, it, you know, again, the potential was there that he could have done a lot more for Warrington. But uh, at the end of the day, I think he's got bigger things ahead of him. So I hope he does well. I hope he certainly gets uh, gets over his hamstring injury and it's not as bad as, mm. uh, you know, I hope he recovers well and, and gets on with it and comes back to Australia and does some good things for the community here. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, like we've we've missed the Greg Inglis on on the on field. I mean, the only chance we get to see him is through the menu log ad. Uh, you know where he's sort of mouthing oh, Snoop right. Dogg's words. And, but to be honest, you kind of like oh, you know, you kind of see him again. You think oh, Greg Inglis. You know, he was a, a magnificent player to watch. And um, 
you know, he's one of he's he's kind of like a Benji Marshall type figure. Where I think he's actually inspired a lot of young, um, you know, young kids to play. And uh, yeah. uh, there's players that have been, you know, sort of compared to him. So yeah, let's just hope. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, let, let's see if he could have an impact for Warrington. Um, you know, sort of off field, and and let's hope that he we could get him back in Australia, um, and involved with the NRL again. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to tackle number two. It's the uh, round 16 wrap. Here we go. All right, I'll quickly go through the scores for round 16, and then we'll talk about our highlight games. Uh, Melbourne Storm 46-0 over the Sydney Roosters. The Dragons 19-18 over the New Zealand Warriors. The Penrith Panthers, 13-12 over the Parramatta Eels. Manly, 66. Canterbury Banks down, nil. Uh, Gold Coast Titans, 44. Canberra Raiders, 6. Newcastle Knights, 38. North Queensland Cowboys, nil. Broncos upsetting the Sharks, 26-18. And finally, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, 38-22 over the West Tigers in a high-scoring game. Uh, I'll reserve my judgment about the blowouts, but we did see a couple of close ones. Mm. Um, Tish, uh, Luke, what was your highlight uh, of of the of the round? Well, um, well done to St George. Um, you know, sort of turning around a losing streak and uh, beating the New Zealand Warriors. Um, however, their uh, post match. Um, shenanigans have got them into a lot of trouble right so uh so yes yeah, so it was actually after that that, that event but I, but look i also um you know the the Penrith, uh eels game was uh it was a really dramatic game in that um obviously it was kind of a bit wet it wasn't naughty there it was actually a sold out um but because of the covid restrictions um you know they couldn't have any fans to the ground that it was actually a great game to watch and matt burton um you know sort of sealed the deal with about a minute to go um, but there was also it was a bit of a, a test for Mitchell Moses as well um, before uh, you know whether whether or not he could sort of uh, claim Cleary's spot for Origin and um, you know the other thing that happened in this game is that Jerome Luai suffered an injury and uh, you know so both Cleary and Luai are out and we'll talk about Origin so I think that game overall had that big impact so you know what you do see is that there is um, there is. Uh, I don't think there's actually two tiers. I actually think there's three tiers. And I think tier one is the Penrith Panthers, the Melbourne Storm, and the Parramatta Eels. Um, you might put the Rabbitohs in there, but even the Rabbitohs have their off days. Um, and <laughs> the fact that they dominated the Tigers so much, but then still leaked 22 points, might not put them in that league. But I think these three teams are the three teams that have a chance to win it. And then I think you've got a you know a top four to top eight perhaps, and then you've got the you know nine and the rest. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> it, it is quite it is quite interesting some of these score lines and 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 it's not just happening between teams that they, you know sort of play. You no, know, it's not happening between team sixteen versus team one. It's happening uh, with teams within the top eight even. So that's that's kind of interesting how all that's playing, but. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a moment. So what about yourself, Dr. T? Any, any highlights you'd like to talk about? Yeah, look, I think, uh, look, I mean, it's hard to go past the the teams that 
uh, really flogged everyone else, <laughs> their, their opposition to nil. So the Storm clinical, as usual, against the Roosters, which surprised me that the Roosters didn't, couldn't even find one point. I thought that was really disappointing. Uh, Manly, 66 against the Bulldogs, Neil, and we're going to talk about later, but, you know, are they a 66-point better team? You know, in years gone by, a 66-nil scoreline or something like that, you would see uh, when you when you had a, a team that's coming first versus a team that's coming last that's about to be relegated <laughs> that that's in financial trouble. You know, that that's the only time you'd see scores like that. But now we're seeing them quite regularly, uh, you know, over 50 points being scored. So obviously uh, something to do with, uh, you know, the, 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 the rules. And then the Knights, 38-0 against the Cowboys as well. And the Titans, 44-6. At least the Raiders scored six points. Um, you know, otherwise yeah. it would have been a very interesting round in terms of how many teams couldn't even score a point. Which really surprised me. Um, look, the Broncos, I think, um, deserve a bit of a pat on the back for what they did against the Sharks. Um, did what they needed to do back in the winner's circle. Uh, but for mine, I think the the key kind of highlight moment for me was the Mitchell Moses uh, <laughs> kicking of a penalty goal to to win it with one minute to go, with no minutes to go. It was the last thing in the game, and uh, it wasn't really from in front. It was probably 15 to the left of the, the, the post, 15 metres or so to the left of the post, uh, and about 35 or so metres out. So a bit of a difficult one, but he completely uh, didn't get it on the right trajectory. Mm. Um, now, we're not expecting him to be the Blues goal kicker, but it, it was a bit of a disappointment, uh, I think, to see... Uh, to see that he couldn't, you know, when when he needed to concentrate uh, to get to get it done, he couldn't get it done. That was a little bit disappointing and a much needed two points, I think, because realistically, um, well, actually, no, it doesn't. As long as as long as they don't come fourth, you know that they won't play the Melbourne the white hot Melbourne Storm. So I think I think it's um, probably okay that they're still coming third. But um, yeah, very disappointing that they couldn't get the two points there. Um, but yeah, those, that's my highlights. Uh, last chance, Tish. Anything else you oh, want to say? Well, look, I'll give my opinion and then I'll get your thoughts. I, I believe that Melbourne are the team to beat. Uh, I feel like they're slightly ahead of the Panthers. Um, well, they are coming first, but like it is <laughs> tough to separate those two anyway. But but yeah. but I do think at the moment, as it stands, just on form, I feel like Melbourne are going to be this year's premiers. Have it yourself to see. Uh, yeah. Look, I mean, are they? Are they equal first at the moment in terms of points, though? Or I, I think in terms of games, one they are. Um, right. Uh, okay. Yeah. And actually, I, I have to admit, I I have to apologise because um, the Eels, by not winning, actually ceded um, third place to the Rabbitohs. So now they're actually coming fourth. So my mistake, it was a missed opportunity. Now we're in danger of facing the storm. If the the finals were to start this week, next week, then, uh, you know, we're in a bad position. But having said that, we're four points clear of the Seagulls and the Roosters who are equal on 20 points. As you said earlier, there's kind of different tiers that you could argue for. But I think the Eels, look, even if you count them as uh, in that top top echelon, they're not showing it on the, on the, on the leadership, on the leaderboard, the table. Um, very disappointing, I, I think, yeah. that they weren't able to put it through. So that that's kind of why I think that Mitchell Moses' miss was a crucial one because it puts us on the back foot now and it means that we're going to have to win some crucial games in the next few weeks um, but anyway, so that, that's that's my view of that. 
Yeah, so one more statistic that uh, came out this week was that uh, the Storm and the Panthers, after 16 rounds, their points differential comparing to, you know, all through NRL history with other teams after 16 rounds, they're both in the top five of the highest points differential of all time. The top two teams. So that's kind of showing you what's going on at the moment. So, yeah, but but we'll get to that very, very soon. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to see, you know, usually you would see a bit of a, um, a symmetry where the teams towards the eighth, eighth position are at zero or negative. Um, and that, you know, gradually the points differential goes up as you go up the table and down as you go down the table. It's not always like that. It's kind of volatile um, at the moment. You've got teams like the Seagulls who are plus 131, <laughs> no doubt because of that 66-0 scoreline. So, yeah, very, very strange times ahead. But look, Let's uh, let's draw that to a close and move on to the another big item we're going to talk about, State of Origin 3. So here we are, tackle number three. All right, so State of Origin 3 is upon us. Next, uh, I think the next podcast you'll hear from us will be our review of that game which is next week the 14th of july is that is that right i think wednesday the 14th of july yeah. uh and so let's so they've just announced the teams uh for the blues and the maroons so let's let's quickly go through it because obviously the big news was that luai as well as nathan cleary are out so we needed to find a new six and seven um, so the blues team looks as follows so no change with tedesco to'o mitchell Tommy Trevojevic and Josh Adokar, one to five. Now the six and the seven. So Jack Whiten comes in off the bench at number six, obviously former Dalian medal winner, and Mitchell Moses at number seven. Uh, In the forwards, uh, we also actually, another thing we have is uh, Daniel Saifidi is also out injured. So probably our most dangerous forward is also out. So we've lost quite a lot in this team, but here is what we've done. We've replaced him with Payne Haas, who comes in off the bench. So basically, we've got Junior Paulo, Damian Cook, Payne Haas, Cameron Murray, Tariq Sims, and Isaiah Yo, which are our forwards. And on the interchange bench, we've got Absai Corusau, Angus Crichton, Liam Martin, and Dale Finucane comes in, who was previously, I believe, the 18th man. And in yep. replacement of him is Nicho Hines. Nico, or is it Nico or Nicho? I don't know. I, I think um, it's pronounced Nico, but it, it's Nico Hines. Nico, so. so not no, not Nacho Libre. No, yeah, Nico yeah. Hines. <laughs> and uh, the Maroons, I'll go through. So look, quite a few changes uh, for various reasons. Uh, number one, Kalen Ponga comes in for the Maroons. We've got Valentine Holmes, Dane Gagai, Hamizo. Now I don't know how to say Tab- this. Tabby Waifado. Tabby Waifado. Xavier Coates, Cameron Munster, Daly Cherry Evans. So a few key changes there. Uh, on the forwards, we've got Christian Welch, Ben Hunt, Josh Papali'i, Kurt Capel gets into the second row. Congratulations. Finally, he's in the right position next to Felice Kafusi and Jai Arrow at lock. And in the interchange, we've got Alexander Brimson, uh, Tino, Tino F. <laughs> yep, Milwaukee for, for, uh, Federica and David Fafida rounding out the interchange bench. And do they have an eight? Well, they have some reserves, uh, I guess, just in case there's injuries. Francis Molo, um, Kurt Mann, and Thomas Flegler. Look, um, very interesting lineups there. The key, 
look, the key thing is really uh, the Jack White and Mitchell Moses in for Luai and um, uh, Cleary. There was talk uh, prior to, I think, Sunday evening that Adam Reynolds was in the frame for the number seven jersey and uh, potentially there was talk about bringing, uh, bringing in Cameron Murray maybe uh, at number six so that you could have the, the, the Rabbitohs kind of combination there uh, or even bringing back Cody Walker who <clears throat> you know performed admirably on occasion last year uh, even though um, you know that didn't quite work out for us but um, no they've gone with Jack Whiten uh, so again out of position <laughs> out of form uh, and for some reason I guess uh, you know, riding the coattails of the Dallium uh, performance, uh, you know, like was it last year or the year before? Uh, it was last year, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So, and then Mitchell Moses as well. So I guess it's fair to yeah. say that Mitchell Moses, um, I think they're just trying to groom and Freddie's trying to groom him for um, for the future. But, um, but yeah, so... Tish, what do you think? Um, you know, we've got the current, the the reigning Dalian medalist who has been completely out of form for Canberra Raiders this year. Hardly has done anything in uh, in the series so far. Um, hasn't really made mistakes, but did not really contribute much. I would say compared to the rest of the team, has probably a confidence slump at the moment, but. Um, is this the right man to put into number six when you've got that back line? Uh, I guess that's the key question because I think if he is, if he's able to just do the job and get the ball out to those players, I believe we'll, we'll win the game three. But if not, um, it, this brings us closer to the Maroons, uh, closest to the pack. So what, what are your thoughts on that? White and Moses, are they the right men for the job? Well, look, it, it's a very interesting selection, right? Because, um, you know, Freddie is kind of known as uh, a guy who sort of values combinations, you know, which is why you've had the Moses Luai justification for this year, and it's worked well, right? So, um, so I thought the Cody Walker, Adam Reynolds, through Origin experienced, um, would get the nod, uh, but he's gone another way with uh, Jack White and, and Mitchell Moses, who. Uh, I don't know if they've ever played in the same team before, right? <laughs> the only the only time I think this could have happened is probably the ninth tournament for Australia, because um, uh, I believe Mitchell Moses was definitely in that team, and I think White might have been in that team too. So, yeah. So have they even played together? It's that's going to be interesting. Look, I suppose the key for New South Wales is look Moses. He does have a good running game. Um, and, you know, he does have a good passing game and, you know, his kicking game can be erratic, but he does have a big boot as well. So, you know, as long as he could finish off the sets well, um, you know, and, and sort of get the ball in the hands of Turbo and Latrell as much as they can, then I think that would work. And I think Whiten's got to do the same. Um, I suppose it's like, um, it's like the, uh, uh, sorry, the, um, you know, the Melbourne, the Melbourne halfback, uh, I just forgot his name, but um, the way he plays where he sort of doesn't play a, a dominant role, a more submissive role and sort of gets the ball mm. to his players, you know, his X-Factor players enough times. Yeah. I think that's probably where these two need to play a role. Um, 
The other thing that could come into play is the Moses Tedesco combination. Um, back from the old Tigers days, but they did they were roommates for you know for a number of years. So uh they've lived together, you know. So um so yeah, so which uh which which could mean that that, that quarter combination you know might be rekindled a little bit uh, with both players sort of being more mature and being part of winning squads. But look, I like the in- inclusion of of um you know players from Parramatta because I felt that they were a bit absent. And even though the team is doing so well this year, it's it's kind of interesting how they're not being selected. Uh, now there is another uh, a slight issue with Dalfinukin and Nico Hind. Um, uh, they have to be confirmed whether they will uh, be allowed to travel back to Melbourne um, and not have to quarantine for fourteen days. So Clint Gutherson and I believe there's a young Tigers player. Um, They've both been rushed into the New South Wales team as well as the train-ons. So you could actually see Gutho in on the interchange bench, which, uh, you know, and obviously if he gets a start, um, you know, playing with Moses, I think that would also be a big inclusion into their team. So I think New South Wales is still a stronger team than the Maroons. Um, uh, do, do you have any thoughts on the Maroons at all there, Dr. T? I've, you know? No, I think the f- – no, not really. <laughs> the, I think <laughs> – I, to be honest, they've got a lot of soul searching to do. I think the, yeah. I think we've said everything in the last game, but I think in my mind, the real story of Game Three is what what is New South Wales doing? Uh, if this is uh, the wrong move by Freddie um, to bring in Whiten and Moses, then uh, we'll see uh, our dream of a three uh, 0 whitewash uh, be you know, disintegrate right before our eyes. Uh, but it could be a masterstroke. I don't think it will be better than having Jerome, Luai and Nathan Cleary. I think the, 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 the issue is how much have we lost by not having them there and by having these two players there. Just very interestingly, he uh, fit like, I just wanted as a last sort of, as a way of rounding out this, this discussion, uh, Fitler was asked about, um, uh, about Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds, and he admitted that they were considered uh, for for the uh, the team, but he felt. And I'm I'm going to sort of read you some quotes and and get your thoughts. So uh, I'm reading from a Fox Sports article, but he felt playing the two Rabbitohs playmakers would have meant changing the team's whole game plan. So here's the quote: There was talk around Cody and Adam, and I just thought the disruption from you change pretty much your whole game and nearly want to play like South Sydney. Fitler said. Uh, continue quote they are doing a brilliant job for South Sydney and they seem to be doing it with ease so I felt like there is a few players at the moment that could have come into the position but I felt like having Mitchell there and bringing Jack into 5-8 was the least disruption going forward so let me just pause right there what are your what's your uh, reaction to Brad Fittler's comments there about the reasoning being that uh, it was about the least amount of disruption and that's why you didn't want to bring Cody and Adam in. Uh, you didn't want them to play like South Sydney. Uh, is he forgetting that Damien Cook's in the team as well? Yeah. <laughs> and Cameron yeah. Murray as well? Yeah. What, do yeah you, so- what are your thoughts on that? I mean, he's basically saying, if I brought them in, it would have changed the game plan. How? I, I'm just wondering how. What exactly? You've got completely new halves. What's okay. the... Mm. Okay. Well, 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 I think I think what he could be alluding to when it comes to disruption is that um, with this move, he only replaces one um, one player 
Um, now you're like, oh, but what about Jack Watton? But Jack Watton's actually been there for the other two camps. Uh, yeah, he's been right. in the team. Yeah. He's played off the bench, so he's had minutes. Um, so he's been around this playing group, and and there's less disruption because it's not two new faces to lead the team. It's one new face coming into the, the system that's already been set up, and Whiten's already familiar with that, and then you bring in Moses, who needs to get acquainted to that. Whereas if you brought two players in uh, that are playing two influential positions, then suddenly, you know, there's, you know, there, there could be a bit of a click. I mean, I, I don't want to say it, but the South Sydney guys, uh, because you've got to remember, like, you know, if the ball needs to go out Latrell's way, it's Latrell's probably going to see more ball uh, with the Rabbitohs-centric, heart, uh, you, you know, sort of back line than what, say, uh, Tommy T is going to see. And I think the brilliance of of the side at the moment that uh, that, we had in the first two games is that while you still had the Panthers halves, you know, that they weren't really sort of favoring Torhol. They weren't really favoring, you know, Josh Adokar or any other thing like, you know, pretty much they, they went either way and they went to the way that works the best. There was no sense of familiarity. And sometimes when there is a familiarity, that's kind of, um, kind of, uh, you know, I think that's, that's sort of done. Um, I know, I know you didn't have any thoughts on Queensland, but uh, but my but my thoughts are this team is actually better. Um, obviously yeah. having Tonga and oh, of uh, course, of course, yeah, yeah. Tonga. I, I, I think Capewell out of pos- in position this time, not out Capewell, of position. Yeah, exactly. Capewell in position, um, and then so look, I think the other thing about it is, I think the key for them and is that their attack has been very disjointed, and I think it just comes down to letting. Letting Munster have the reins, um, I think that's really what it has to come down to. I think, I think if DCE can play that secondary role, I think their attack's going to be much better. But look, I I, I actually think that Tom Opicic should have got the position of um, Hamaso Tabiwai Fado because I know Fado is his on debut is a great phenomenal X Factor player, but but I see him more as a fullback slash winger. So I think you're doing the same mistake again. You're sort of replacing a non-center center with another guy that doesn't really play center. Whereas I think if you put in um, Tom Opicic, you know, even that game against the Eels, there was a couple of, um, you know, cover tackles that he made. And um, part of the reason why the Roosters looked sort of very flat in attack is because of the great, you know, defensive work that uh, Opicic have gone. So I think Queensland missed Mr. Chuk by, by not having a defensive center in there, but, but but that's probably my thoughts. I still think New South Wales are, are a much stronger team, and uh, who knows? You know, Mitchell Mitchell Moses uh, Mitchell Moses. If if New South Wales get up to a lead, one thing that Mitchell Moses is great at is really putting uh you know put putting the uh you know the foot down uh, when you have a lead and really running away with it. Like he is sort of brilliant in those moments. So it would be interesting to see if um if New South Wales get to a lead. I, I think I think with this attack that could potentially be able to put on even more points if, if they could get there. So, yeah. Uh, but a very interesting uh, Origin 3. We don't even know where it's going to be played at the moment, right? So that's the craziest thing uh, to the whole thing, right? We'll know on Friday, I think, at the latest about where this game's actually going to be. So who knows if team might even be back in Queensland. Well, wouldn't that be amazing if we win 3-0 with all games in Queensland? <laughs> I mean, that, that, and that's likely <laughs> yeah. to happen because... 
this lockdown could be extended and we don't know what that means for um for this game being played uh even if it were to be played in front of zero people uh there would still be issues so yeah let's see what happens but look um yeah very interesting analysis there of where you think the game's going to go so i'm guessing we're both going to tip the blues we'll talk about it later but yeah i'm i'm Look, I'm thinking that the the Blues haven't lost much, um, you know. Anyway, I think the 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 key most of the key players are there, and w- what it boils down to is how much service can Whiten and Moses give to those back that back line because that's really where it's going to be won and lost. I think the forwards kind of cancel each other out now that Sefiti isn't there, um, and and no doubt Queensland will they know how to get momentum going and. Daily Cherry Evans with Manly in in that recent flogging of the Bulldogs will be sky high confident, um, but again he's got an unfamiliar uh, backline around him, so it's it's all about who's the best at getting the ball to the gun players to score those tries. That's really what it boils down to, um, and that's not what we normally say in State of Origin. We normally talk about defence and and all this sort of stuff, but really. Um, the Blues have that hunger, you know, I granted what you're saying about the minimal changes that Fittler's making to the um, the camp. It's all about the camaraderie. And, and if I can just draw a parallel between this Blues and the other Blues, the Azuri that are going to be playing uh, against Spain in the Euro semi-final, you know, one of the key reasons for their success thus far from uh, where where the the Azuri were three years ago or so, where they didn't even make the World Cup final in the first time in their history or in a long time, um, you know this that team. One of the things that, that you know the secrets, the ingredients of their success uh, has been the way that. Um, it's the camaraderie and the hunger that that mm-hmm. new coach Mancini has brought to that team. So similarly, you know, maybe that's what Freddie has been known for is that he, you know, not a master tactician, not necessarily uh, the best man manager, um, and and maybe you might disagree with some of his decisions, but his decisions are based on his own personal kind of ethic around what makes a winning team and what you want to do in state of origin camps. And it's, and selecting Whiten and Moses, I think uh, is consistent with that. Uh, Even if I don't like it, and I don't agree with the logic, it's at least consistent with what he's done over the years. And who am I to argue with someone who's coached the blues to uh, three out of the last four series wins. So Mm. well done. Freddie Fittler, Godspeed, and hopefully we'll uh, finish the job against the Maroons in style. So let's move on to tackle number four, which is our spotlight on the six again rule. Here we go. So we thought we'd raise this uh, as a spotlight issue for today. You know, we've seen, especially in this last round, round 16, uh, you know, four or five massive blowouts um, uh, and three of them massive blowouts where the, the one team scored zero points. So, you know, if there isn't already enough evidence <laughs> that the six again rule has, uh, you know, led to massive blowouts, I, I don't know what what is because really there's nothing else that's changed in the rules this year. There's no other reason for this except for that that dramatic 
uh, rule change that occurred at the beginning of this season. And, and so I thought I wanted to raise this because I think, for instance, I'm sort of getting sick of seeing, you know, what was Team 1 versus Team 5 uh, end, end in a 40, what was it, 44 nil, 46 nil. Um, let me just double check. What was it? 46 nil scoreline storm over the Roosters. It's it, in years gone by, you would only see, you know, team one versus team five wouldn't, you wouldn't see a 46 nil scoreline very rarely. And so we're seeing a lot more of these massive blowouts um, and games that are not as competitive for, for the majority of the 80 minutes. Um, and I think it's no doubt due to the introduction of the six again rule and, um, and that we're seeing blowouts occur at a much greater frequency. So I wanted to talk about why is this happening and what other solutions. So Tish, there's a couple of things in terms of why I think this is happening. Uh, I'll give you my quick thoughts and then I'll, I'll get your thoughts on this as well before we head to what are the possible solutions. So um, in terms of why this is happening, look, I think one of the main things that people have spoken about is the six again rule leads to greater uh, potential for teams to roll onto a momentum and a bit of a, um, you know, it gives little rest for defences. And um, I think what what, we'll, what we're seeing is because you've given momentum to the attacking team, you're more likely to see this result in tries than if I think the rule wasn't there. Um, however, there are some cases where, uh, for instance, you, the the six again rule can actually work against the attacking team. So it's not. I'm not saying it's completely the case that uh, it's always uh, you know benefiting the attacking team. What you're seeing as well in some occasions is that the six again rule means that uh, if you're struggling and you're you're caught inside your twenty, it makes it really hard for you to get out of your uh, of of your own half because yes, you're given six again, but you're still trapped inside inside your half um you're not given you know normally what we would have seen is a penalty being blown um no rather than a six again you actually get a bit of a rest you get a bit of a reprieve especially if you're a team on the receiving end of a, a um of a poor score line and and that reprieve can actually you know chew up a few minutes in the clock it allows you to uh, reset your attack. It allows you to uh, take a step back a bit. It allows you to kick for touch. You know, all of that wastes, you know, a minute or so, maybe even more in a match. And 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 again, this is assuming that you're you're the team that is on the on the end on the on the the bad end of the stick, uh, and you're you're on the the poor end of a a, a large scoreline against you. So. The six again rule can actually also disadvantage poorer teams in attack because what it means is you don't get that much opportunity for that kind of, I wouldn't say time waste, you know, I would say, you know, like the natural kind of ebbs and flows of energy and momentum during the match. It feels like now with the six again rule that it's all go, go, go. And what that does is it favours some teams and it absolutely puts other teams on the back foot. And once you get on the back foot, you know, once you have an off day, um, it's game over from a lot earlier than it would have been. And that's why you're seeing these massive score lines because in the past you would have seen, you know, yes, Manly would have dominated over Canterbury-Bankstown in 2021, but under a no-six-again rule alternative universe, 
um, you know, some of those tries, some of those, uh, you know, penalties, instead of being given six again, would have been given actual penalties uh, and the Bulldogs would have been able to kick for touch, waste a couple of minutes, uh, you know, retain the ball, start with six tackles further up the field. So in a way, actually, six again, when you're pinned down in your half, can disadvantage you because it means that you don't get a chance to start further up the field. So all of these things kind of put together uh, suggest to me that the six again rule really needs to be thought through very carefully in those two particular situations. Uh, it's not just as simple as saying it allows you to roll on momentum because there are some situations where it punishes teams that are having an off day. So Tish, those are my kind of, you know, thanks for letting me go on a rant here. But it's all right. It's all right. Um, over to you to, uh, you know, challenge my rant or or add to it. Well, six again, not again. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> never again. Never again. Like, you know, there was a, I've got to say, when it, when it first came out last year, there was a bit of excitement how these rules are going to play, how this six again is going to play. Because I actually did feel for a long time like, you know, the deliberate penalty. Uh, actions of certain teams it was sort of um you know sort of not allowing fatigue to enter the game uh but i think the rules last year or the changes of rules last year were okay um it was sort of thought out you know over over the uh covid break that we had last year and when it came back the game was faster it was more exciting um but i did notice that um you know, what had changed is that if you were leading with 10 minutes to go, um, you're pretty much going to win the game. Like, it was very hard to come back um, because, because you know, uh, yeah, because you didn't want to give away a ruck infringement for a six again. I think this season when they've introduced for uh, offsides and, you know, for certain things where, you know, like, uh, I know, like every player, sh- you know, it's their responsibility for every player to be onside, and I do get that as well. But look, you're in the heat of the game; you're sort of, you know, trying to uh, run run up as quick as you can. You know, getting your timing out, um, you know, it's it's really hard. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm. It's really hard. And and now, um, it's interesting. Like the blowouts have exacerbated uh, over the last five weeks, um, and uh, if you actually count or five rounds, sorry, and if you actually count those five rounds, you go back to Magic Round, and what happened at Magic Round was the crackdown of the head height tackles uh, became much stronger. So what you've got now is that you've got a situation where players need to um, get their timing right to um, you know to, to to time their uh, you know line speed in defence. And they also need to. Uh, they also need to. Once they've done that, um, they need to also make sure that their, you know, tactic technique is perfect, so they could hit hit them with a hard tackle, but at the same time not injure the player or it, it go near the head, or, or they might be sin binned, uh, potentially sent off uh, and suspended, <laughs> you know, mm. uh, with a fine. So so these players have to be perfect, right? Like. Uh, with everything, right? It's like it's like super hardcore, right? If that that's what it's turned into, and I think, and I think it just won't happen in a game that goes for eighty minutes of length. That is a very fast paced game. Um, you know, you're you're essentially sprinting for eighty minutes. You know, it's it's something that uh, 
very few athletes are able to to do. Um, so plus, you know, so, so I, I really think that they do need to look at how, you know, is the human body even able to uh, to do all the things that need to be done to, in order to be an NRL player? Um, interesting enough, there is an article by Brad Walter on the NRL website. Now, the NRL website, journalism on the NRL website can be a little, um, you know, uh, by the machine, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a little bit. Needs a, needs a six again, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, needs a bit of a six again. But he does actually point out that in the, you know, the rules have been not just applied to um, the NRL, but also to the uh, Intrust Super Cup, um, as well as the New South Wales knock-on uh, effect cup. So the, the two tiers below. And uh, the average, uh, you know, 15-point winning margin in the Queensland Intrust Super Cup it's actually lower than uh, lower than 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 last year, and uh, the knock-on effect. I think it's only up by about a point. So while we're seeing these massive gaps happening now at the NRL level, kind of not seeing it in the other levels at the moment. So I wonder if, like, I I, be- I believe it's a very strong contributing factor, you know, to, um, you know, to 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 what's happening with the score lines and the general enjoyment of the game because it's actually quite hard to watch a rugby league game right now when you kind of know uh, after the first half who's going to win the game. Um, yeah. You know, it, it is quite difficult. And plus, you know, uh, you know, and having like just some awful decisions in the commentary box about what they're going to do during halftime as well. Um, sometimes you kind of kind of want to watch something else, you know. You could, you, could, you could watch any series you like whenever you like. It's kind of... It's it's very easy not to watch rugby league. Put it that way. Um, so so yeah. So so anyway. So I think um, yeah. So so I think it's like they do need to change the product because the product is is not that enjoyable to watch um, at the moment. And I think one of the major factors is definitely the six again um, because the, I, I think the six again has gone too far. Um, they need to limit it. They need to. I don't know if discretion is the word, but they need to have a bit more. Um, you know, if somebody is going to blow an offside penalty um, that is uh, sort of, uh, you know, happening while they're supposed, you know, within the, the 10 metres, um, you know, if you have to call a penalty, don't call a penalty, let it go six again because clearly mm. the other team is standing offside so they could get to the ball, right? But if you're seeing it happen sort of on the halfway line, then call a six, you know, then call it as a penalty because really that's just a timing issue. That's not necessarily a... Uh, you know, the one team trying to get an advantage over another. You know, I, th- I I think the referees, I think they have to have that freedom of okay, there is a discretion, there is a an incident. You know, does it work against the attacking team to blow a penalty right now? I, I think that needs to happen. And look, one other thing is that I think um, the game, I think the rules need to sort of go back to the middle. And um, I think we need to have more mechanisms for the defense to get the ball back um, or slow the play down or regain momentum. I don't think there is enough opportunities for a defensive team to actually get the, you know, when, when the other team has got to roll on, like, you know, starting to roll on, score to try now, scoring another try, um, you know, uh, you're sort of three or four sets behind now before you get the ball back. Uh, and then you're absolutely exhausted because there's been no breaks. Um, there's got to be some sort of mechanism where the opposing team can can have their chance as well. Um, 
yeah. which 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 at the moment is is not happening. So so yeah, but but I also think Paul Ross, the management, has to do with it. Perhaps a sombrero here or there uh, is also causing <laughs> it as well. But yeah, but but um. So yeah, look, yeah. Tish, you've you've given you've given a few kind of other ideas, and we're moving to the solutions now, which is what I wanted to talk about. You know, you've given some ideas of things around the six again. You know, other things that that can be done to slow the play, the you know, slow things down, etc. But in my mind, I think maybe what we need to do is to you know. The the decision to bring in six again was unilaterally brought in by PVL with a view to making things more exciting and people want to see more attacking football and that kind of thing. Uh, granted, yes, there's this other situation with the the crackdown on the head high tackles, but I think I think we saw from the beginning of the the season that this six again had a very measurable impact on mm. on the blowouts that we've seen uh, prior to that as well that crackdown. So I think. Um, so in my mind, I'm thinking if we need to have a solution to this, um, it needs to be about the six again. So I guess there's two ways to go about it. Either we modify the rules around six again, so we tweak it somehow, or we just scrap it completely. Now, I don't think the scrapping of, of it is going to happen because it sounds like PVL was very strong about uh, you know it, it staying. So I think that's not going to happen. However, I think the best alternative would be if uh, the people in the know and the, the powers that be advocate for a modification of the rule that that actually, you know, almost a hybrid of the new rule and, and the old rules so that you get some of the benefits of the new rule while avoiding some of the pitfalls, which I, I spoke about earlier. So what do you think about this as a solution? What if we had, uh, and again, you were mentioning as well, what the, the other problems is that is too much... Um, you know, discretion being given to the referees about, oh, you know, what's effect this is this going to have on the team and all that sort of thing, or, or you know, on the on the attacking yeah. team, etc. Whereas I think maybe uh, we need to come up with a very, you know, I guess, a clean a cleaner rule, a very hard and fast black and white rule that that can't be argued. And how about this as a suggestion, Tish? What if we allowed, um, uh, say, uh, six again? for infringements if you're in the opposition half. So that allows you to kind of uh, continue playing. Uh, that way you get the kind of, um, you know, the continual, uh, the waves of attack uh, going towards the try line. Uh, but if you're in your own half and there's an infringement, you instantly get a penalty. So that allows you to reset your attack and get out of your own half by kicking for touch. Um does that sound like a good compromise? It does. It does. Um, but then uh, ha- I don't know if that's going to affect the blowout scores because, um, I sp- but, but I suppose you are getting rid of the uh, the idea of teams sort of deliberately giving away penalties to avoid a try being scored by slowing the game down, right? You still have that element of six again sort of playing there. Yeah, possibly. I mean, there's going to be consequences for anything that you do <laughs> with these yeah. rule changes. I'm just trying to think. Okay. I think by by allowing allowing you to get that penalty when you're in your own half, then then it sort of resets everything a little bit. It slows things down. So yeah. that kind of artificially slows it down. But then, if you allow the six again when you're when you're in the opposition half and you're in the attacking team, then that allows you to kind of. 
Um, you know, obviously for certain infringements, the referee should blow the penalty. Um, but for the most part, it should just allow play to continue so that you continue to get the advantage rather than, you know, this also will stop this kind, kind of, um, okay, there's an infringement, you know, penalty, and then you're going to see a shot for goal. Like that's kind of, that's not what you want to see. You want to see tries, right? So this is all about seeing tries, but giving the attacking team uh, not too much momentum from their own half of the field, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So look, anyway, look, that's the argument. So. Yeah, yeah, that is. Well, look, first thing, I think the NRL, like if we talk about solutions, right? The first thing is, um, I think the, the uh, you know, the NRL six again denial probably needs to stop. Right, where where yeah. like, we don't have a problem, you know, you know, or or the saying, look, these problems are not being caused by the six again, you know, it, it hasn't been PVL intervention, you know, this is just natural causes of the game or whatever. Yeah, like, nothing you know, to see here. <laughs> nothing to see here, you know. It's not. This is not global warming, you know. It's it's okay, guys. Like we can admit that there is a problem. Like that's the first step, right? And I think and I think um. You know, like uh, sometimes these sort of situations does provide uh, an ability to have a bit of creativity on what would happen. Um, just because there is a uh, just because there is a ruck infringement, you know, a ruck infringement versus a head high tackle. If you think about it, like uh, you know, one's far worse than the other, right? So, you know, there's degrees of penalties all the time. So perhaps, um, and this is where the six again comes in because. The six again is probably not supposed to be for a really bad incident. It's probably supposed to be for something that is like a borderline, right? So I'm just wondering whether it doesn't need to be a full six tackles, right? Whether you just give that tackle that was rocky fringe, you just go, instead of going six again, it's a go again. All right. That tackle, not counted, go again. But you know, and yeah, yeah. you know, so like, yeah, actually, one again, one again, one again. <laughs> Basically, you're, yeah, you're incrementing it by one, right? And this actually comes to the, I, th- I think they actually do this in the NFL, right? Where, um, you know, the if you get the penalty, you might choose to have an automatic first down, which is a kind of a six again, again, or yeah. you get to play the, you get to play it again, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. At, at, at a different vantage point in the field, depending on depending on what happens. So I think something like that would actually make a lot more sense. And it, and it would mean that the six again itself isn't as um, detrimental to the team. Now, obviously, if you do too many in a row, then the referee can then go, you know what, that's three go against again. Hey, this is a six again now, you know what I mean? Like, I'm giving you a full set of six. You guys are just obviously not, um, you know, this is obviously a tactic. And then if it goes worse than that, then you call a penalty and then you you have a talking to the players and then you send them off type of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. like, but, but, I, but, but I think six full tackles every time there is um, a hand on the ball, <laughs> right. It's kind of a bit insane. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's going a bit crazy. Like I think, I think they probably need to, to, to think about, you know what, like with some of these um, line ball things where it's like, um, you know, like, a, you know, teams are going for a one-on-one strip, a lot more now because it's one way to get the ball back. So you're gonna gonna you're gonna see hand on the ball, right? So um, so if if something if there's an infringement that's happening at the act of you know causing a tackle, um, I'd rather just have that tackle being like you know one again sort of thing, um, then then it's six again, and then perhaps the six again comes into play when you know after the 
you know, you've called held and the tackle is actually affected. You know, the guy's getting up, but then the, you know, the other guy's all over it sort of thing. You can blow a six again in that sort of stage because that's like, you know, like you, you shouldn't be doing that. That's completely deliberate. So so I think there needs to be some levels and I think we just need to have um, a more... I mean, it sounds simple when you say it because, like, you know, we're level-headed about it. Probably when the referees go out there and actually do it, probably the one again is also going to have issues. But, yeah, I, I just... Yeah, I, I just think that it's like... The problem is the, the the crime is too small and the punishment is so big with the six again. And yeah. I think they just need to sort of, yeah, change that balance a little bit. Yeah, and look, look, I mean, I think that's uh, that's the issue is that, uh, you know, the punishment is to look normally. Normally, they'd just be given a penalty. I guess, I guess that's the other thing is that if we if we go back to the time when you actually get penalised for it, I I actually think it's a greater greater disadvantage in the past because what would happen is not only yes you'd get a chance to rest and set your defensive line so there's a yeah. positive there if you're a defending team but your your infraction has led to that team kicking up the field and gaining field, field position, position yeah as well as getting six again so actually it's now it's now kind of given the defending team a bit of a reprieve in terms of well it's it's a balance isn't it they get a, a reprieve in terms of the field position still remains where it was but they get six again whereas um they also by having the six again gives them a chance to get more momentum uh so it doesn't allow you to reset your defensive line and i think what's the result that we've seen is that the chance to actually reset your defensive line and to have a bit of a natural pause in the game is uh, potentially one of the benefits of going back to where we were before um, as opposed to what's happening now. So, you know, having it just constantly go, 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 go is potentially what's leading to these these blowouts. And and I think that's the evidence for it is that, um, you know, when you look at what, what used to happen in the past, you know, you would get penalised and, and certainly maybe it's also highlights when you actually get penalised and your team gets punished by field position as well as getting the six again, uh, you probably are less likely to, you know, you're probably going to try try a bit harder to not not uh, give away a penalty because of what happened last time. Whereas a six again, it's almost like a, you know, it's almost like a hidden hidden punishment. Like you don't, I don't know if you, if you realise it's a punishment because by the time you realise it's a punishment, it's too late because Damien Cook's uh, run straight past you and scored a try, you know, that kind of thing. So I think, um, yeah, anyway, there's a lot of thought still to be given here, but mm. that was my rant for the day. Thanks uh, for indulging me, Tish. But let's let's go on to another rant. Here we are, tackle number five. Let's talk about the COVID-idiots again. COVID-19, St. George Laura Dragons. Here we go. Right, so we talked about it early in the news item, Tish. Um, yeah, let's. Uh, what do we want to talk about now? There's, there's still a little bit more to unpack here. Yeah, look, absolutely. So, look, um, yeah. So, so as as I mentioned before, um, there were twelve or well, thirteen players in total um, that have been fined for the Mel- for the St Georgie Laura Dragons, three hundred five thousand dollars total amount um, of fines the NRL has issued. Plus, each player has a one thousand dollar fine of the players. Um, you know, uh, you know uh, Vaughn, who was the 
organizer of the party was fined fifty thousand dollars, and he has now um, obviously had his contract torn up. He had an eight week ban. Um, so interesting, you know. Corey Norman's also got a fifty thousand dollar fine because it's his second offence, um, and he was one of the original six players found. Now apparently, um, what's happened is that a few of the players that were actually there actually lied to St George Illawarra initially and to the NRL Integrity Unit, uh, claiming that it was just them there. Um, but then it was later found out that there were players that were actually, when the police came around, um, there was a player that was uh, hiding under a bed um, and some that were hiding in a closet. And oh, one yeah. of them is Jack DeBellin, uh, who's just recently come back after four weeks. And... Um, yeah, and the fact that he's now jeopardised his NRL career once again, uh, $42,000 fine. And, um, you know, originally I think Paul Vaughan said that uh, actually Jack wasn't at the party. He was just uh, walking his dog in the vicinity of the area. Oh, God. So what is going on? I, I just don't know. But look, what what's happened is that the Victorian government now has um, basically told the Melman Storm due to this incident that um, they need to quarantine for 14 days any teams that are coming from the NRL to Melbourne. So that has caused perhaps Vanukin and Nico Hines, who've been picked to play State of Origin, they may uh, have to be forced to go back to Melbourne if they can't get an exemption for the quarantine. Um, and it's also meant that the Blues have had to move their training camp from the Central Coast, which is now... Um, a hotspot over to Kingscliff once again um, because, um, you know, that was one of the conditions that the Victorian government had to allow Fanukin and Nico Hines to come back. Um, and look, you know, the other thing that the aspect that we've got to talk about is that, you know, uh, now the NRL needs to find uh, an exemption from the New South Wales government uh, to place that of origin next week. Um Two crowds at the city football uh, at the uh, Stadium Australia, or move it to Newcastle, which isn't a hotspot yet. So, um, otherwise, I might have to find another venue. So, um, like these, uh, this incident for the Sir George Illawarra Dragons players, um, it actually has far-reaching consequences. In that, you know, the special exemptions that the NRL currently receives from the Queensland government, the New South Wales government, and the Victorian government. Um, they will probably go away if there are more and more incidences like this and there are more and more players found outside the bubble. So it's actually put the NRL in a really risky position. So that's probably the the, the first thing I wanted to mention and, and probably get your thoughts on. The second thing is um, because uh, there are so many players serving one-match suspensions, um, you know, players serving a one-match suspension will be split across a minimum of two and a maximum of four weeks to ensure the Dragons have enough players available to field a full squad each week. So what that means is that, uh, you know, since there's 12 players now that, uh, you know, uh, that they have to stagger, they'll probably need to have probably, what, four each game suspended, and the Dragons get the discretion as to which players it would be for which game. Um, so, wow. yeah. It is really crazy because the NRL can't afford to suspend so many players because they have an obligation to make sure that that game still happens, right? And there's not enough players in the bottom tier who are in the bubble 
to actually field a squad, which is yeah. why they need to stagger it. So, um, has the NRL made the right decision here, Dr. T? What else could they have done? And um, and your thoughts on the ramifications that uh, is being caused by this incident? Look, I'm sure that they would have gone through all the different permutations of what they could have done, you know, all the way from mm-hmm. just, you know, getting, you know, calling off drag the, the next Dragons match and giving the other team a bye. Um, but then what impact would that have had on the, um, you know, the... Uh, the TV, uh, the broadcasting deal, or that kind of thing. So they probably would have thought, no, this, it's too risky to do that. So the best thing we can do is to just, you know, make sure that the players get fined appropriately and make sure that the, the club has uh, the right level of discretion to to when those, those fines were, would be applied and when those suspension, suspension sorry, would be applied. Um and I think that's probably the best outcome. I mean, it's 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 a difficult situation. I know part of me, you know, certainly a lot of fans online would, would be thinking, why don't you just sort of suspend them now and then then let them come back with a fresh start, you know, uh, so that way we can have some competitive matches at the end of the season. But um, look, and, and I think this is a compromise solution. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I think the the... The fines are kind of. Um, I notice that the fines are, are all different and depends on the salaries of the players or etc. I wonder whether that shouldn't be have been the case. I wonder whether there should have it should have just been a flat rate in, of, in terms of a fine, uh, and and then maybe for the more senior players with, with on higher incomes, maybe maybe the suspensions could have been harsher, especially if they were in the leadership group, for instance. So we've got players there. You know, we've got Jack Bird and Josh Maguire, who are both, you know, um, state of origin level players. Uh, I think Jared Beal as well. So, you know, despite, so I think it's not about the fine or the value of the fine. It is about making sure that there's a message sent that if you're a more senior player, they should have almost been treated a bit more harshly, Mm. I believe, um, to send that message to the rest that, uh, you know, you, you have expectations on you when you get to that level. Um, and certainly with Paul Vaughan being the ringleader here, uh, certainly got the most um, punishment out of this. So I think that's a good, uh, what happened to him, as unfortunate as it is, it's probably the right decision. Yeah. Uh, what about your thoughts? Well, look, um, the way the fines are structured, yeah, it is It is crazy. Like, you know, some players are getting uh, like 2,000, 2, others are getting 5,000 and 12,000 and everything. But I think the way that has worked is um, is based on, uh, like, A, prior offences. So um, that's why Paul Vaughan and Corey Norman have got it. And then B, um, whether they lied to the integrity unit, unit or lied to yeah. the NRL um, to try and hide. So so probably the ones with the lower um, fines, probably um, their sort of cover-up, they kind of owned up to it. It wasn't as as bad as some of the others. Um, so, yeah, so, look, it is obviously very tricky. You, you, yeah, as, um, you know, they, look, I do have to pull the NRL because this 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 uh, party happened over the weekend um, and they have been able to deal, de- deal with it and actually get the press out and get on top of it very, very quickly. Um, you know, this type of thing, you know, it was like uh, when the Melbourne Storm did their salary cap breaches, it was like halfway through the next season. <laughs> that they were found out, you know, um, and um, 
So I think the fact that they were able to investigate this and deliberate on, on it quickly um, kind of shows how much the game has come forward in governance and sort of policing the players a little bit. Um, but, I, but I just think that overall, like, it's it's a very bad look. And, and unfortunately, I, I do feel for the Sir George Illawarra Dragons fans. You know, they're paying members, uh, you know, to this club. There's, you know, there's people, there's probably season ticket holders that, you know, are not going to get a full season anyway just due to COVID and everything. And and it is a shame that all these players are, you know, you know are sort of on very high contracts and don't seem to have the club's best interest at heart. Um, it's... It's and and it's all like there is really no excuse for it because it's it's not just breaking NRL protocols. It's actually breaking, you know, the laws of the current laws that we're at, and it's because we've got a very high, you know, highly contagious, uh, you know, strain of this virus, which is absolutely devastating people all across the world, right? So, like, I just don't see how they can not not. I don't say I don't know how. This is even possible, really. Um, so, so yeah. So I think, uh, yeah. Well, let's hope it's this issue is only with St George Illawarra Dragons and not any other teams. Um, you know, the Bulldogs have had their incidences. Uh, you know, but let, let let's hope that that it is. You know, this is the worst defence we see. Yeah, and look, my final thought on this is, uh, look, I think. You know, maybe the NRL integrity unit needs to change its name to "Don't Lie to Us" unit, <laughs> just just to make it clear to the the players that you know when we ask you questions, don't lie to us. Mm. Uh, you know, you are going to get in massive trouble if you do um, with us and the law. So, yeah, look, what a shame. Uh, COVID, it's indeed, uh, unfortunately for the Dragons fans, uh, these players not really thinking things through very carefully. Um, all right, final tackle, our tips for round 17 and state of origin. Here we go. All right. So last week I got four out of eight and you got six out of eight. So you're catching up to me. Uh, you're on 74 and I'm on 79 so far this year. Let's quickly go. We've got a split round plus the state of origin coming up, obviously, next week, uh, next Wednesday. So keep that in mind uh, in terms of the origin players being out of these following teams. So we've got Manly versus Canberra. Um, I'm tipping the Raiders. Kind of tip Manly, but obviously turbulent Manly. I don't know. But, yeah, I'll tip Manly. Manly. Um, Souths versus the Cowboys. Um, I think Souths will win this one. Yeah, full strength Souths. <laughs> Virtually, yeah. Virtually, well, so I'm going to tip Souths, yeah. Well, apart from Murray and, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, a there's few, a few players three, missing yeah. and Mitchell. Um, Roosters, Bulldogs, I think Roosters will win this one easily. Yeah, look, I think the Roosters uh, as well uh, for this one. Sharks and Warriors. Um, look, I think the Warriors will win this one. Yeah, good. I'm going to tip the Sharks. I was uh, surprised by their loss last week. I think they'll be uh, reeling to come back in and win this one. And finally, New South Wales, Queensland. I think it's fair to say I'm, despite the massive changes in our lineup, I think New South Wales will win this one and win quite comfortably. What about you? Yeah, look, I think New South Wales uh, will as well. Um, you know, obviously, even with, with the changes, I think New South Wales still have more experience and more. Um, yeah, I think they've just got a lot more than what Queensland can offer. All right, and look, 
that's it. That's our podcast. Next time you'll hear us, we'll be doing a review of Game 3, our, our kind of uh, as real-time as we can <laughs> review of Game 3. Um, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we've had a good time today talking about some very important issues in the world of Rugby League. Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. And that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We are your host, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.